Welcome to another CPA Quick Chat on COVID-19. Today we are going to be talking to CEO of the CPA, Dr. Karen Cohen, about the fact sheet that she put together, psychological practice, and the coronavirus. My name's Eric. I'm the communications officer at the CPA, and we encourage you to go to our website, cpa.ca slash corona-virus, for all kinds of resources and for those fact sheets, including the one created by Karen. And Mm -hmm. on the sheet, you mentioned that there's growing evidence that psychological treatments can be effectively delivered via telehealth. Uh, How do we know that? What is that evidence? Okay. Well, um, I would encourage folks who wanted to learn more about the delivery of psychological services um, through um, electronic media uh, to read some of the work that's being done now by... um, psychologist members, Dr. Heather Hadjistravopoulos, Dr. Stefan Bouchard, Dr. Peter Cornish. There really is mounting evidence um, that uh, internet-delivered CBT is is effective in the treatment of depression and anxiety. I think there's things you need to know if you're going to adapt your service to deliver it virtually um, that you need to inform yourself on. We have some excellent materials on the Corona page of our website and resources for folks who want to inform themselves of some of the things they need to know when delivering um, services in that way. Now, assuming you're a practitioner that has a private and secure platform uh, to do all of the telepsychology that you are going to be doing, what are some of the other things, uh, just a few bullet points that they might need to know? Yeah. Um, So you you need to obviously talk to your clients about their comfort using that technology. You need to be sure that whatever uh, mechanism you you choose, it's safe and secure. You know that you're always talking to your client, that you utilize the passwords to confirm identity when that's necessary. Um, BMS, who is the broker of our professional liability insurance uh, program and our preferred legal provider, Gowling, have a series of fact sheets also on the Corona uh, website that talk about things you need to be aware of when you deliver telepsychology service. Some of those things might be you want to be aware whether your client's insurance is going to pay for a session delivered by telepsychology um, or at least have your client um, find that out ahead of time so that they know. Don't assume it necessarily will be the case. What you need to put on the receipt, always a good idea to, to put on the receipt the type of service that was delivered and um, in what format. Um, so that uh, an insurer doesn't end up approving something they otherwise wouldn't have had they known that information. So um, again, you know, m- make sure you put on the receipt what's required for the, the uh, client with their permission, of course, to get reimbursed. Um, and really just in- inform yourself of the things um, that impact the delivery of psychological service differently when you're delivering it um, digitally. Now, I saw that a few insurers have uh, come out with statements and announced to the world that they are going to be covering uh, telepsychology in a blanket way. I think Sun Life just uh, announced that mm-hmm. today. Um, is that if, the, if you read something like that and that's your health insurance provider, can you just go ahead and assume that it's good to go? I think not necessarily. And I think, you know, the issue is just that although... The insurer may decide, yes, you know, given COVID or for any other reason, they're going to cover telepsychology. It's important to understand that everyone's plan isn't necessarily the same. So even though someone, you know, two people may be covered by a Sun Life policy, if they're different policies, which they would be if you had different employers, you still need to confirm 
that that policy will that particular policy will cover it. Now, on the fact sheet, you uh, said that there are some unique skills, competencies, and so on, particular to telepsychology. Uh, what mm-hmm. would you say some of those are? Well, you know, probably best for our, our membership to uh, to consult those more expert than I. Um, so, uh, Dr. Uh, Christine Coral, I think, has some um, resources on our website that would be very useful. I mean, it speaks to, obviously, in broad strokes, your comfort with technology, um, you, that you go seek any training um, from folks who have made a, a practice of delivering uh, psychological services virtually so that you know what those are, you're aware of any differences that method of service delivery can take. You want to know how to prepare your clients for working in this way, make sure they're comfortable with it and uh, you understand their comfort with it. And I guess, the, but the other thing to keep in mind is that all other professional standards still apply. So everything you would need to do in terms of your competence and your skills and informed consent and continuity of care when you're delivering care face-to-face would still apply when you're delivering care virtually. Now, I've been talking to Dr. Christine Coral about this, and uh, she said one of the things that happens uh, when people do telepsychology for the first time is that clients tend to overshare because they're more comfortable in their own home uh, in mm-hmm. that environment. Uh, so that's one of the things that people need to look out for at the beginning. And uh, also suggested getting a white noise machine to put outside your uh, secure room to sort of create a secure space so the rest of your family mm-hmm. doesn't intrude on a session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and those are things that would apply in any setting, of course. You know, in a busy clinic, you may need a white noise machine outside every room to, to ensure privacy as well. So some of the things are very transferable uh, that you have to be aware of, and some are more particular to that kind of service delivery. I think it's, you know, it's worth... Um, underscoring that, you know, there are some populations for whom telepsychology um, may may work even better. So if you're in a rural and remote population, you know, north in a province, and there's not a lot of psychologists in that area, uh, being able to talk to one virtually may be wonderful. If you have any kinds of mobility issues, if you're a senior, it may be easier for you to talk to someone from your own home. Uh, rather than uh, traveling a physical distance to meet them. Um, One of the things that I know um, we've been talking about as health professional associations, because we've been meeting regularly and sharing resources around uh, managing COVID, is will COVID change the way we deliver healthcare? Um, Psychology is one of those uh, professions whereby that lends itself a little bit more easily to uh, telehealth and other professions. you know, dentists, for example, a lot of their work would be very difficult to deliver um, virtually. Um, so the, the question we're asking ourselves is maybe we're ramping up a little quicker now with COVID for those of us, so for those practitioners who maybe weren't using uh, telepsychology as much, maybe doing it more so now. But are these changes that um, are going to be uh, more permanent in the fabric of uh, healthcare, telehealth care options? And do you think they will be? I mean, obviously, it's, uh, you know, going to be a learning curve right now for people to mm-hmm. provide these kind of services and to receive the, these services. Mm-hmm. But in the future, uh, once this is all over, maybe it will become a new business model. Do you think that's likely? Well, I, I, th- I think so. I, I think that once people become familiar and comfortable and see um, how these services are best delivered in the context of their Uh, you know, scope of practice, I do uh, think we'll see it more and more. I know that as an association, 
we've been working very hard with um, a provider of uh, a practice management platform to bring an offering to our members. We're, we're hopefully uh, just on the verge of being able to announce that. And one that really has the, the psychologist practitioner at the center so that it's a full suite of services to help you manage your, your, um, your practice. I think that one of the things that um, individual practitioners run up against, when you're a salaried practitioner in a hospital or a school, you have an institution to rely on who does some of that diligence around securing a, a secure and private platform. But when you're in private practice and you don't have that institutional resource, there's more pressure on you to make sure you, you make the best choice, that it's a, a practice management offering that meets your needs, that it's secure, that it's private. And so as an association, we tried to do some of that diligence for our members and um, hope to be able to announce this offering very shortly. All right. Now I want to talk about remote dentistry. That, <laughs> that sounds fascinating to me. I think it can be done. You think it can be done? Well, I, I don't know. I'll have to refer you to some of our colleagues at the CDA for that one. <laughs> well, I've seen now that, uh, you know, even surgeons are able to do surgery remotely through these robots and computers right. that they have. Uh, so, you know, dentistry yeah. should be and, just and as easy. Maybe you're right, but that would be um, a lot more difficult to assemble quickly under crisis situations, I think. <laughs> um, my understanding um, is that uh, dentists are doing emergency intervention, um, but not regular care right now which makes sense of course that does make perfect sense i suppose yeah. yeah and i also want to talk about maybe things not going back to the way they were uh before this crisis hit i'm becoming very used to wearing pajamas to work <laughs> so i would like to talk about relaxing our dress code uh at the cpa when this is all well, said and done uh I think CPA's dress code is probably pretty informal, Eric. Um, you know, I know that I always wake up in the morning and say, okay, where am I going today? Do I have meetings or not meetings? And that will uh, determine certainly what I wear. I've heard anecdotally that there's been a surge in people buying tops because everybody who is participating <laughs> in Zoom meetings obviously can only be seen from the top up. So you'll have people wearing jackets and ties and pajama bottoms or uh so on so yeah you're right <laughs> all right excellent so uh we only have to dress well from the waist up right i guess for zoom yeah 